Welcome to the Celtics Pride Podcast on Celtics Blog. You can rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at Celtics Pride Pod. I am Adam Motenko. With me, as always, my twin brother, Josh Motenko. That's right. You can call me Russell Westbrook because in my past, I refused to pass, but now I'm ready to go. Josh is just stat padding all the time. Never wins. Stat padding. And our good friend, Mike Minkoff. I'm going to bring it, bring the hot takes on target, like the Latvian laser Davis Bertans on our upcoming opponent, Washington Wizards. Let's go. The red how, excited, how excited are you guys to not talk about the regular season anymore? It's over. Did we have it any games happened. last week? It yeah. never happened. Yeah. Never played the next. Like not- Emma, Men in Black, laser to the, the eyes, like it's gone. Let's just pretend, move away, walk away, slowly back away. <laughs> If you are listening, raise your hand if you watched the entirety of all the games this past week. And in the studio, raise your hands. Yeah, I think. Uh, uh, I don't think one, any right? hands are, are raised. Oh, your, your hand is raised. I, I so every moment. A I watched, for punishment. I watched probably every minute of like 66 or 67 of the first 68 games. And I think I watched zero minutes of the last week I, you said you had a freeing week i was week, done yeah? i was done with this team uh by the end of the regular season they so, they um, hurt they personally accosted accosted my fan sensibilities okay, okay. adam let's start okay. with mike mike what was it like hold on, hold on. celtics for one week how was your adam's life? already adam's already lost control of the car <laughs> just, is this is a celtics <laughs> podcast right are we talking about our um, life without the celtics now well, I happened to be super busy at my full-time job, so my life without the Celtics was um, very still, walkful. Still no good. <laughs> still, still not particularly enchanting. Riveting stuff, you guys. We look forward. The Celtics, this, this podcast comes out on Tuesday morning. The Celtics at 9 p.m. Eastern time play the Washington Wizards for the play-in tournament. I want to say game one. If the Celtics beat Washington, they are in the playoffs, and they face the... Um, Brooklyn, uh, and, and then if they don't beat Washington, then they're going to have to play the winner of the Indiana-Charlotte team. Um, if they win that game, then they play the Philadelphia 76ers. If they lose both of those games, they are in the lottery. So we're talking today about this Washington matchup. I also, after we get done with that, I want to hear uh, what is your wish for the rest of the season from those three categories um, and, and also if we lose to Washington and we have to face Indiana or Charlotte, which one would you rather face and what do you think will happen there? So let's start with Washington. The wizards are 15 and five in the last 20 games. They're top 10 in offense and defense in those 20 games. They're actually playing phenomenally well. Bradley Beal has a hamstring injury that may or may not come into play here. Russell Westbrook, he of the triple double, uh, averaged one this season playing phenomenally well. They had a nice pickup of Daniel Gafford in, at the trade deadline, who's coming off the bench and, and rim running and playing some nice defense. Uh, this team is actually playing really well, and it's a tough matchup. Bradley Beal has scored almost 41 points per game against the Celtics in the three games they've played so far. I'm a little scared of this. Josh, what do you see happening in this Washington Celtics matchup? Yeah, everyone's talking about the Wizards and the pace that they're playing at. You know, they're, they're shooting a lot of shots per game. They're making a lot of shots per game. Um, and the big difference, I think, is, is that Westbrook is finally like 
understanding Healthy. when he's no, he's finally understanding when to move the ball. I mean, he's finally trying to make guys better in certain situations, and that's kind of holding true towards the end of games when he would usually just want to take over and put the whole team on his back and take all the shots. Now he's driving and kicking and finding guys and. You know, I, I wonder if he's trying to make a statement overall this year in terms of his assists per game. You know, this is what year three in a row of, of averaging a triple double or something crazy like that, right? So I feel like he's trying to to prove his doubters wrong, and his doubters have always said that he couldn't close games, he couldn't lead a team through the playoffs, and uh, that he wasn't really a team guy. And so I think I think that he's playing a little bit differently than he's used to playing. Like I said in the opening, he used to not pass much. Even though he got the dimes, he got the stats for passing. I don't really feel like he was making the right play at the end of games, and now he's kind of starting to do that. And it takes every great player, and I would call him a great player, it takes every great player a while to to figure out how to win. you know. And you know, it's taken Russell even longer than most. Um, but I wonder if he's finally turned over a new leaf, as they say. That is, I mean, he he's a floor-raising player, right, Russell Westbrook? Like, he's in a perfect situation, and it didn't look great for him at the beginning of the season, but being on a Washington team, I think when we talked about the East at the beginning of the season, I think, Josh, you and I both talked about Washington possibly being in an eight seed. Um, I thought they were going to be a bit better than they actually were. I, I thought they'd be closer to 500. Then again, I thought the Celtics would be better than they were. So it's all relative, I suppose. Um, but, you know, Russell Westbrook has always been great at certain things and limited when it comes to kind of getting a team from, like, basically kind of where Washington is in this, like, you know, mid to bottom of a first round of a of a mid, mid to bottom of a kind of playoff tier team up to like an actual championship contender, right? He's, he's just got real limitations in his game. But as far as this play in game, I mean, I'm terrified of the entire play in scenario for the Celtics. I just looked at the, the, the schedule, the Celtics in their last 15 games to close out the season were five and 10. The last time they won a game against a team above 500, which the wizards are not admittedly, uh, but it was when we played the Phoenix Suns, um, what, like, it feels like three years ago. <laughs> I, everything about this team said they rolled over like three weeks ago going down the stretch. And it's hard to imagine going against a team that had the second high, you know, the, the, the runner-up in the scoring title for the season in Bradley Beal, who's been playing absolute lights-out offense. And if you forgot, Celtics fans, we have not played any defense for months. And a guy that plays with the intensity uh, of Russell Westbrook. Uh, and again, I mean, we've just been kind of soft all season. So it it's not a good matchup. I don't... I'm not... I'm not particularly optimistic uh, for us, which probably means we'll win resoundingly now, but <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Vegas thinks Vegas thinks the Celtics are going to win slightly, but uh, it's been shifting we were... towards, towards Washington's favor over the last 24 hours. Yeah. I thought we were one point underdog despite being no, at home. 
We're a two, we were a two and a half point favorite. Now we're a one point favorite. Okay. And Brad Stevens came out and said that everybody except um, Jalen Brown practiced in the last practice. So that you know whether Robert Williams plays or not will be a game time decision. But that if he does play, you know the type of injury he has with the turf toe is something that's either going to show up and and really limit his ability to play or not. And it's kind of similar to the hamstring. You know, th- those are those are both kind of like I can go, but I'm not sure how good I'm going to be. And so it'll be it'll be a test, I think, for Bradley Beal as well. And without Bradley Beal, I think that we can beat this this Westbrook team. I think that we, you know, Brad you, does a good job normally in the playoffs of game planning for drivers and loading up, you know, with the help defense like we do with Giannis. Non-shooting drivers is something that we were, I feel like we're pretty experienced at, you know, not just as a coaching staff, but as, you know, the players who've gone against those guys. So I'm not as worried, but you never know how, you know, you never know how Bradley Beal is going to show up. And, and um, I feel, I feel like this is a year when, when predicting anything, like even as podcast prognosticators like us, like it doesn't make sense. So I'm actually not going to come on this one with a take of what's going to happen because you never know with this team. This Celtics team is, is no joke when it comes to unpredictability. What a coward. <laughs> no, like, were you going to um, say something else? Yes. Uh, so Brad Beal, I mean, to your point, Josh, Brad Beal had a really rough game. Uh, he did play in the, the Wizards last game against the Hornets, which secured the eight seed for them um, and, the, and put the Hornets in the ninth seed. Uh, Beal shot eight for 27 of that in that game. Uh, so a pretty, pretty rough shooting game, but he did score 25 points. He had, a, you know, one game plus minus of plus 12. Um, you know, it, he's he, going to he present problems. He's going to present problems for us. He, he, whether or not he's at a hundred percent, he'll still attract the defense. And, uh, I'd be really, really surprised. I mean, he's going to be playing. So even if he's not a hundred percent with it, it's just, yeah, this team has hurt me this year too many times. I can't, I can't get excited about their chances. You're scarred for life. Beal had a hip injury in March, and then uh, a hamstring issue that he missed three games for, and and just came back in that last game. and And he admittedly said, "I probably should not have played in that game." He's definitely going to play in this game. He's going to want to match up against Tatum in the pseudo playoffs here. Uh, Rui Hachimura has also been playing well since the All Star break, averaging 15 points a game. Um, so between Bertans, Hachimura, Westbrook, Beal, uh, they've got big centers coming off the bench that give us trouble, like, uh, like Lopez, uh, Robin Lopez. Uh, I think Alex Len starts on this team and then Gafford and Lopez come off the bench. Uh, Ish Smith likes to kill us. So, um, the matchups are not easy for, for us, especially because they've got guards that drive it to the paint. So who do you put Kemba Walker on in this game? Who do you put Marcus Smart on? Do you put him on Beal or Westbrook? Uh, who does Tatum guard? Uh, this is uh, with, without Brown, you have you're you're losing some length and some defensive ability, especially one on one against this team. And other than Tristan Thompson, I mean, if if uh, Rob Williams is not playing well in the last game, he looked he, the last game he played minutes in, he he did not look good. Uh, I'm glad glad to hear that he practiced, but. I'll come back to to him when we talk about what we want to happen here. Um, But I I don't think we have players that can really match up against the size that they have. And if we come out like we like to, without the energy and toughness that we need to in a playoff game, 
this is not going to go well for us. Josh, how do you see us matching up against them? At least well, with our defense to their offense. You're right. With with Brown out, Kemba's going to need to guard somebody. You can't hide him in this series with Brown out. I think he's going to need I, to match up with Westbrook, and I think that if he could take a couple charges on Westbrook, I think that that could get in Westbrook's head a little bit. But I, I honestly think that he's the one who's got to step up in this series. Can I can I offer a different way I would approach the defense? I don't think this is what they'll do, but this is what I would do. Um, obviously, I'm not paid uh, a cent to coach any any basketball team, let alone the Boston Celtics. But um, I would actually put Kemba Walker on Bertans to start the game um, and just try to try to deny the ball, suffocate his airspace, and put. Tatum on I might put Tatum on Westbrook um let him play off use his length to disrupt passing lanes and and Westbrook drives to the hoop and I'd put smart on Beal and have him chase him around um I I, I fully agree that the matchups are, are really tough with Brown out um you know, you can let Fournier try to defend Hachimura it's not ideal but I'm not that afraid of Hachimura um and then you know let you know they they're starting whether they're starting Gafford or Lopez or Len I think you know Robert Williams or Tristan Thompson should be able to hold their own there. Yeah, my the coach in me is coming out now where it's like, why are we talking about matchups when we switch everything and and you know like like you if you if we decide that we want to hide Kemba on Bertans, which to me. I mean, if I'm 6'10", Davis Burton standing 40 feet out where I like to shoot from and little Kemba Walker's in front of me, I'm still shooting the shot. It's not going to make much of a difference. I guess you could deny him the ball a little bit, but that takes us out of what we want to do. You know, he's going to set a screen and slip, and, you know, we're going to be switching that anyway. So all of a sudden now Kemba's on the ball. So I just think that there's going to be moments, though, where Kemba's on one of their better guards, and he's going to need to be able to hold his own for a couple possessions here and there. Or that's like that maybe the highlight that we might get out of it is him taking a charge and and primal screaming and and was Russell Westbrook going back on defense upset or and, and we can kind of tell he's in his head. That's the pro Celtics slant image that I, I want to present for the pod today. Uh, but I, I think this team in general, this Wizards team in general, is an up and coming team. I think when you know Mike, what you said earlier is spot on. When you looked last year at who are the really crappy teams that have a chance to kind of level up one time. Um, I was looking at this Wizards team with you. I was looking at the Charlotte Hornets with you, and I was looking at the Atlanta Hawks too. Is like they've got some young guys who who are are not as young anymore, and may you know come into their own. Um, and when you look at, at at you know some of the guys that the Wizards have, their veterans are not bad. Like uh, Robin Lopez is is the worst of the twins, but he's a good player, and he's still like he's not aging much. He's still doing the same thing he's always done. The worst of the twins, not aging much. How's it feel, Josh? To okay, so hell. Um, all right, let's move on from Washington. Uh, I want to ask this question of each of you: Do you think the Celtics will win against Washington? Yes or no? Josh. Yes. Mike. No. <laughs> Adam. I'm a no. I don't know. I think I think unless Beal has to leave because of his injury or another important member of their team, even if Tatum goes off, I think the Celtics are losing this game. And that's probably I, because then we're not facing the Brooklyn Nets. 
would you, you guys don't want to see the Nets, right? You don't want to see Kyrie, right? The Nets or the Sixers, it's gonna it's gonna be bad. But do you have a special feeling in your heart for the for Kyrie's Brooklyn Nets and how you don't want to see them? Like a lot of Celtics fans, I don't. I do not want to see the Nets. I think we'll win this game, and I think we'll see the Nets. But I don't want to. I want to avoid the Nets. Do you guys have a an opinion on that one, on the Kyrie thing too? Well, yeah. before before we get there, because uh, we'll we'll talk about kind of what we want and what what for the season. So I, I will I will save my answer, but I do I definitely have an answer and uh, and thoughts there, Josh. Um. Okay. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I am with Adam. I, I just don't think they'll win. I don't, I don't see this team. It, like, it's hard for me to get past the, the just how poorly they played in that first game against the Heat, and then they kind of brought it in the second game of the Heat, and they still couldn't win. Like, they're just not that good <laughs> right now. It, it's not. And there's a whole lot of reasons that go into that. Jalen Brown's injury is devastating for them. We've talked about all of the issues, and and we could revisit them all, but none of us want to. Um, yeah, it's, was... it's just hard. It's just hard to have confidence in them. And you know, it's it. I remember the bubble last year. It, it's not impossible that this team kind of all of a sudden looks like a different version, and they are actually locked in because it's playoff time. But this season has not has nothing about the season has suggested that that's the version of the team we're going to get. Yeah. A classic example of, of what you're talking about. I was asking my buddy about the supporting cast of the Celtics. My, my buddy's a Knicks fan. You know, obviously that was a great example, that game of, of you don't have Jalen Brown, you don't have Marcus Smart, you don't have Kemba Walker out there on the court. And I was like, okay, if you could, and no Robert Williams, I was like, if you could choose the remaining guys out there, minus Tatum, who you know to put them on the Knicks? Who would you want from our supporting cast? And he thought about it for a second. He was like, "How about the 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 short guy with the dreads, the short guy with the braids?" I was like, "Carson Edwards? Like what?" It's like th- this is a classic example of a game where he's uh, if Carson if Carson Edwards is standing out to my buddy who's a Knicks fan, uh, the the rest of the supporting cast is not showing up much, and I think that that's our biggest weakness right now. As it has been all season. As Josh said, if we beat the Washington Wizards, we move on uh, to play Brooklyn. If we lose, we get another shot at making the playoffs. We would play the winner of the Indiana-Charlotte game. They are also playing on Tuesday, the game before ours. The the winner of Indiana-Charlotte plays the loser of Boston and Washington on Thursday. Guys, uh, between Indiana and Charlotte, who would you rather face? And how do you see the Celtics matching up against both teams? Josh, can we start with you? Yeah, um, my answer is a little bit naive or, or, or strange. I would rather see the Pacers, and it has nothing to do with basketball or the matchups. Um, I think that actually the Pacers might be a harder matchup for us because of their size up front. Um, and But I just don't want to lose to Terry Rozier. I don't want to lose to Brad Wanamaker. I don't want to lose to... Uh, there's another former Celtic on that. Squad, is Gordon right? Hayward playing? Is he oh, injured? Gordon Hayward, right, of course. <laughs> uh, I don't think he's going to play. I doubt it. You never know. He'll come back for a game. We'll probably get injured again, though, in that game that he returns <laughs> soon. So I'm not too worried about it. But honestly, Lomelo. I don't, don't want to lose to Terry Rozier. LaMelo Ball is also back. He's playing well. Uh, I, I think we have a better shot against Indiana also. 
but for different reasons. I mean, I just think Charlotte's a better team right now. Yeah, I um, I fully agree with Josh. Uh, I I'm more afraid. I am more afraid specifically of Terry Rozier, not just not not solely because of the the former Celtic. Um, and I know this is probably anathema to say on a, on a Celtics podcast uh, where, where those that listen are particularly diehard. But I, I think the hype for Terry Rozier this season's a bit overblown. Um, but Dude, I cannot. Still, you're still hating on Terry Rozier, even though he's not I, I, a Celtic absolutely. anymore. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, he's he and I and he wouldn't have been a good fit on this team with this roster, but he I can't think of Terry Rozier without thinking of the anecdote about his draft workout where he did what I can't remember the name of the workout, but the, the, the sprinting workout. What are they called? The shooting drill where you sprint in and then you got to take a bunch of shots. No, no, it's it's like you you have to run it's like 22s i think it's called or something you have to run an, a certain number uh of lengths of the floor under a certain amount of time and like he did it like three times and no one's ever like done it twice or something in his work he's just like was he showed he was like a crazy worker and crazy competitive yeah it's a perseverance and drill it's a perseverance drill exactly and it were like that doggedness is what our team miss is missing in its DNA. And so in a, in a, like, and in all stakes, you know, winner take all type of game, I'm terrified of this team going against someone like Rozier. Um, And, and I think Rozier embodies that trait more than any other player on Charlotte or, Indiana. Now, I admit that's in part because I just know Rozier better than any of the other players on either team. Um, but you know, Sabonis worries me a little bit on that front. Um, and I agree, Josh, with what you said about the Pacers probably like see, being a seemingly worse matchup from a size perspective. And if like Robert Williams is not is can't play because of of his toe issue, uh, the Pacers could be really troubling too. But um. Yeah, I'm that that doggedness. I just think the the Hornets will present a scary a scary challenge in a in a winner take all context. And Miles Turner is also dealing with injuries um, with the the I think it's a plantar fasciitis. So even without him, let's say he doesn't play, just Sabonis alone to me is a problem for the Celtics team. Sabonis is good. I just want to not have to say on this podcast, it would be nice if we still had Daniel Tice. I just want to go through the rest of the season without saying that. All right, so the rest of the season, there's three possible outcomes here. We win versus Washington and play Brooklyn. Number two, we lose versus Washington and we beat Indiana and Charlotte and then we play Philadelphia. Number three, we lose to Washington and lose to to Indy or Charlotte and we end up getting a high lottery pick. What is your wish for the rest of the season? Which of these do you hope happens? Mike, let's start with you. So, Josh, I'm going to I'm going to start by answering the question you asked earlier, which is, yeah, I definitely don't want to play Brooklyn and and lose to Kyrie. Um, you know, uh, for those that haven't already listened to it, uh, Bill Simmons on 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 his podcast with Ryan Russillo 
had a really wonderful, I thought, and, and really it really resonated on a deep personal level, uh, just kind of scathing take on his frustration with the Celtics team and the prospect of them getting swept by the Nets and hugging Kyrie after every game. It, it just hit the mark <laughs> on every level for me. Um, uh, but th- that said, I'm also not really excited about the Celtics winning a second game and then getting annihilated by uh, the 76ers. And so, like, you know, flippantly over the last week, actually, well, in last week's show, I said, and I stand by, my main priority for the rest of the season is nobody else suffering a major injury. And I've, I stand by that. That's the only thing I care about over the rest of this season. I, I, I don't believe the Celtics have a chance to do any real damage or, or cause any real disruption in the playoffs. Um, and I, you know, I've, I've seen and heard people make an argument that even, even kind of a four or five game shellacking in the first round is good development experience for our young players um, like Neesmith and, and Romeo. And I think there's some truth to that. But, you know, uh, some of those arguments have pointed to, like, the experience that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown had early in their careers. And I think I think there's a really big and important difference there because <laughs> those guys went on deep playoff, deep playoff runs that involved lots of competitive games. And I'm just very skeptical that this team will have the opportunity to do that. I think this team, in a lot of ways... It, it has reminded me of the 2006, no, sorry, what was it? The 2005 Celtics that went out to Indiana in the first round where mm-hmm. Pierce had like that kind of kind of bad showing uh, on the sidelines um, and, and started to almost, you know, almost get talked out of town. Um, I don't think that season was particularly meaningful for the development of I think we had like Gerald Green and Tony Allen on our team. Like, I don't think that playoff series did much for them. Was that the and same that, one and where, I, where um, Perkins had to shoot free throws because they the other team got to choose who shot on our bench? I think he was a rookie that season and he missed them both. I, I remember that totally playoff impossible. series. It was it was not helpful development. Yeah. yeah. So like that to me, that's what I see happening if we get past the play in. And I don't want that. Like I'm not I. I but I'm admittedly, I'm like not, I'm 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 not carrying the torch right for Celtics fandom right now. They this this team has really messed with my fandom headspace this year, so I'll stop there. But that that's where I fall on this. Yeah, with a young team, every single type of playoff experience is a complete different experience than regular season. If you're a rookie and if you, you've never or or shoot us a veteran and you've never experienced the playoff. Your t- your first taste of the playoffs is a whole different world. It opens up new perspectives for you. Any even losing in the playoffs is good, but especially so for a young team. I think that if you've got veterans and they lose in the playoffs, you know, like like the Clippers um, with CP3 and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, like losing over and over again like that when you're a veteran team. Okay, I could understand an argument like that, but players and coaches, anyone who's ever been in it will tell you that any playoff experience for a young squad is super, super important, really vital for their development. Um, And fans are the ones who usually 
are in the category of questioning that theory. So Josh, let me ask you about that because I want you to, to, in whatever way makes sense for you, value, put a value on what that experience is and then weigh that on one side with on the other side, the uh, removal of risk of injury that Mike is talking about to someone important for this team that could delay the beginning of next season or worse, plus the increase in lottery odds. So let's say you move from a um, 16th pick to a, or 17th pick to a 14th pick. No, it would, um, it would be, it would be 13 or 14 is kind of the difference in terms of the that, likelihood. 13 and 14 are in the lottery. If we make the playoffs, we're getting higher than that or lower, depending on how you look at it. Right. Yeah. So let's say it's a yeah. three slot jump in law in, in the pick that we get plus a, like a call it a 5% chance of getting a top three pick, which side has the most value? The playoffs. It's an easy answer. It's like, if it's like, if you're, it's equal to if you're a, a 13 year old player, and you go off to a camp that lasts two months and you're playing against a bunch of 17-year-olds and you're getting beat up all the time. And then you go back, and it's just a summer, and then you go back to your school and it, you have a whole different perspective. It, like when you are a, a Division One team and you go to the NCAA tournament, just the vibe is completely different. There's so much more perks. It's like a whole different energy that's like, everybody's there to see it. it you know you puff out your chest in a different way i'm i'm in the tournament I, I made it like i'm in it now and there's a different level of pressure the teams are better you look around the talent levels better i mean it's harder to win like the, it's it's just a totally different feeling and if you've never experienced it you don't know it and so you can't gain any benefits from that i do want to see neesmith pritchard and romeo langford in that environment and I want to see Tatum leading a team. I do think that that all of those are going to be valuable experiences. I'm, I've been on the fence about this. I've been thinking about this question at least all day. And from an emotional place, I, I'm on Mike's side. And I, I, Josh, you're very convincing in, in what you're sharing now. And, and I, I agree with that sentiment too. It's really hard for me to decide what, what I'd rather have happen. Um, it, it would be nice to have a, another shot at the, at the lottery uh, before what I expect will be a few years without that. So look, this is a really important series, I th or, or the playoffs, being in the playoffs and leading a team, like you said, without Jalen Brown is really important for Jason Tatum. He, he kind of has to hold his feet to the fire a little bit here, I think. If he's the alpha dog on the team and he doesn't have much dog in him, and we are all following this kind of nice softy with the kid that everybody loves. And, you know, it, he's obviously super talented, but you as a leader, as the best player on the team, without your sidekick, you're going into these playoffs and you're a little bit exposed and you need to rise to the occasion, uh, whether it's in the playoffs or in just a play-in game. Like, this is a test for, for Jason Tatum. And he's going to be judged by Boston fans, right? We know how they are. So... Like, I think it's important yeah. for his for his confidence as well. If he can do anything special, leading a team like just beat you know winning the just getting to the playoffs by winning the play in games, whether it's one or uh, that I don't think he'll get much credit for that. I, no, but I think for his for his own confidence, like he needs more opportunities to where others are out, and he has to step up and not just like use his talent to to score a bunch of points, but 
like really like like he's done a few times where he drives to the baskets and he gets 14 or 16 free throws like he's only done that like i want to say two three times in his career and if he can do things like that that really show like follow me because i can be tough too that is going to go a long way towards the off season and looking forward to like like look at our leader just got a little bit tougher from the from the playoffs or from the play in games too like he showed something out there that that has been kind of the the mark on his career like you're kind of soft yeah i mean i hear what you're saying josh i i i think what's tough with tatum is like it's just not clear if he did that like two or three games in a, in a playoff series, I still don't feel it. Like he's, I just don't think he's ever going to be that guy. Like he's never going to be the undisputed kind of um, conductor of a team. He might be the most talented player on a team. He's currently the most talented player on a team, but I just, you know, that there's like, you look at guys like LeBron, obviously, who's just been that type of guy from day one, or and guys like Luca. Now these are like transcendental players, but Tatum would be a transcendental player if he had that in him, because of how talented he is otherwise. And I just uh, like, can he cultivate more of it? Sure, um, but it, to me, I, I feel like it's. <laughs> it's kind of a little catch 22 because it's like he could rise to the occasion if he, if he kind of had that in him and lead the team to more games, or if the team got knocked out, he would take it as a personal challenge to realize he had to bring more if he had that in him. But I'm not sure. I'm not convinced he's going to respond that way in either of case because of his makeup. So, um, you know, I, I, I'll kind of amend my original answer, though, because what you were saying made me think, like, of all of the options, like, if we can make a six-game series out of the first round, which I think we have a much better chance of doing against Philly than Brooklyn, like, I would take that over just dropping straight into the playoffs. But I still think I'd, or straight into the lottery, but I still think I'd prefer going to the lottery over, like, getting swept in the first round. Yeah, I I think that my answer, Adam, to your original question about my wish, my answer is I would I would prefer to lose the first game to Washington and then beat Indiana or Charlotte in order to play Philadelphia. I think there's still something to the rivalry that we have with Philadelphia. First of all, I really like the rivalry. I like how it's gone recently. Embiid is a different dude this year, and so everybody's now afraid of this team that we've kind of owned. And I don't know if it's because of Brett Brown and his Boston connections or his lack of coaching ability or whether it's um, Jason Tatum and his relationship with Embiid. I feel like Tatum's always been in in Embiid's head a little bit. Um, You know, they do work out with Drew Hanlon together in the offseason, and so they've got a close relationship. Uh, I feel like Embiid is one of those guys who's, like, ready to crack in the big moments, and he's proving me wrong this season, but I think there's still something to that series, and I kind of want to see that even if we were to lose to the Sixers in that series, I kind of, that's what I want to see. I like to keep that rivalry going. And I think that there's more of a shot in that season series for us to, to get something done um, with the way that we're in their head and, and have been in the W column the last few times playing them. 
One one other thing while we're talking about the Sixers uh, that I think, especially given how kind of <laughs> down and dark I've been in this episode, um, that is a, a more uh, optimistic tone uh, to close out on. Um, you know, I think the Sixers, for for all of the fans that are like me and feeling down or frustrated with the team this year and, and worried about their prospects going forward, I think look no further than the current first place team in the East to see how a team with a young, talented core that's kind of struggling to gel and put it together can very quickly over the course of a couple of maybe frustrating years where they don't quite hit what you're hoping they hit can, can by through the benefit of a couple of kind of structural tweaks in the, the player and personnel around them. And that in the case of, um, Philly, it was like a whole, a whole facelift, uh, in the front office and the coaching staff as well, but, um, can all of a sudden realize the potential uh, of the talent there. So, you know, team people were clamoring for Joel and Ben Simmons to get broken up over the past few years. Maury comes in, brings in rivers. Uh, they, you know, they trade what seemed like an unmovable contract and, um, and Al Horford, uh, get some shooters around, and all of a sudden, it all just kind of fits, and they're now they're now they're kind of positioned to have a real chance at going to the finals. So you know, it's been a frustrating year for the Celtics, but there things can change very quickly and and very subtly, and and there's still a lot to be excited about long term with this team. Uh, but you know, I'm I'm just a little uh, <laughs> a little more bearish on the on the near term. Yeah, we won't. We don't want to know what Mike Minkoff is like when we're uh, like below five hundred team. We were a five hundred team this year, and that's the take. It depends on your expectations. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at Celtics Pride Pod, or individually at Mike Minkoff NBA, or follow Josh Motenko at Coach Motenko. If you've made it this far, you are a true Celtics fan. Thanks for listening to Celtics Pride on Celtics Blog.